0: Like you know in Emery probably just fought Stephen Gerrard got rid of him I'm oh, sure he must be fucking class <laughs> get him back in. <laughs> and like bringing bringing Rory back from loan is a clear winner I would say of this like bringing him on for Leon Bailey was the most obvious choice you'll ever have to make it's obvious a sacking Stephen Gerrard really wasn't it this is Paul McGrath you're listening to the Villa podcast
1: my mind's telling me no
0: this is what makes big Bertie T so hard to resist but my He's like a lovely big sloppy I bacon cheeseburger. You know that ultimately he's really bad for you, but my god is he delicious. I dry, dry, big so he's so, so hard to resist.
1: It was Bertrand Russell who once said (laughs) you must look into hell before you have any right to speak of heaven. (laughs) (laughs) If ever 14 words could do justice to what it's like to support Aston Villa this season. (laughs) If ever anyone could articulate what Unai Emery has done to all of our lives and I'm not just talking about fans I'm talking about the players as well. Bertrand Russell also said, Fear is the main source of superstition and one of the main sources of cruelty. To conquer fear is the beginning of wisdom. (laughs) I don't know if Bertrand Taruri is a superstitious man, but I know that man mustn't be afraid of anything. (laughs) The one thing I absolutely know for sure in my life is that I know... Bertrand Rory has conquered fear a long time ago he He marinates in courage he cooks in boldness he drips with wisdom and after getting one start throughout the whole of last season after being cast off this summer. He was told we'd rather have no wingers than keep him around. (laughs) Sent off to what they said was a retirement home in Turkey only to answer the call. And the only reason he answered the call was because the January window was being a bit cheeky to us. Having played just 51 minutes since his injury at the end of December, giving us just five minutes tonight to do something special against Leicester, Bertrand Sorori is the hero. His first goal for Aston Villa in almost two full years since that goal against Chelsea in May 2021. And not only all of that, not only the adversity, the fucking fearlessness like we know he has, not only the players forcing him to take in all the love from the fans as, as they all joined in, fans and players, and in, in singing his name. He did it all in the most Bertrand Sorori way any of us could possibly imagine. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Liam. Welcome to the Bertie T Show.
0: Yeah, and when I saw that ball getting rolled out to Bertrand Troy, I haven't been as sure of a goal since Anwar El Ghazi stood over a penalty against Barrow. (laughs) Name an Aston Villa player in the Premier League era who you would have preferred that ball to roll out to in that position, in that situation. There isn't one, Conan. It was perfect. The stars aligned just all came together like a perfectly assembled burger. And I can neither confirm nor deny that I came at the same time as well. It certainly sounded like it did. And one of the reasons he was perfect, he was the perfect player. Because like his namesake, Mr. Russell, he's a truly original thinker, a great mind. And I think that's actually... That's actually the reason I got their names mixed up last week. It was not, not because they share a first name, but because they share a similar intellectual capacity. But the key difference is Bertrand Trorri is unencumbered by the boundaries of rationality and logic. He's not, even, he's not even bounded by physics. He transcends all that bollocks. It's not for him, Conan. He's just an absolute fucking hero. hero is the only way to put it. And it's, like, I just love, we had this with
1: El Ghazi as well, became such a hero at stages, and I love the surety that they bring in certain instances. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when they they rise above themselves like that, it really is inspiring. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be bouncing into work tomorrow, ready for anything. Ready for anything. (laughs) Bring on the world, because Bertie T has told me, it's okay, don't be afraid, just go for it. And, like, this was at a stage when Leicester were afraid, they were all freaking out. You know, they were trying to clear they couldn't. Douglas wee shouldered it to the right man. There was a couple of ricochets around and he shoulders it straight to Ndidi and says go on, do what you do what you can do. And Ndidi must have been watching Ireland's midfield trying to pass out from the back <laughs> <laughs> against France last Monday night. It was Josh Cullen all over, under hit pass, and it was to the wrong man. To the wrong man, and he hits it first time, like you say. And he hits it first time because why not? Why, why? wouldn't you just have a bit of crack? It was his second touch of the game, his second, and and his first touch didn't even do anything, didn't even do anything with the ball. But even his dummy on Harvey Barnes was just better than what Bailey was giving us for eighty five minutes. He just he gets turned. He he has more space. He he has the defenders on strings a bit more, and he's able to have more space in rolling the ball back down the wing. Like That's what Bailey struggles to do. Bailey struggles to get it back out of the sideline. Bertrand Troy does it with a bit more space. And then his second touch just whips it first time. For He's got all the space and time he wants. Doesn't need it. He just whips it <laughs> high over the keeper. It's almost top ends, Doesn't even need to be because it's so bloody beautiful. It's
0: a spectacular
1: goal every which way.
0: Yeah doesn't need the sec- first touch and doesn't want it either. And you said you're going to bounce into work ready for anything because if there's anything Bertrand Torori has taught us over the last three years Conan, it is to literally be ready for anything when the ball <laughs> arrives in the feet. <laughs> Luckily this time worked out alright.
1: I love how popular he seemed afterwards as well. The players genuinely seemed buzzing for him. Like that's really nice. And it wasn't just Bertrand Torori who won this game because there was more drama after that blood, bloody goal. Like the Imagine that was taken away from him. I think I wouldn't have even bothered going to work tomorrow. (laughs) But the the Watkins, the penalty shot that was there at the end. I mean, this was a disaster from Graeme Scott from start to finish, really. Because I don't know if you remember how this free kick came about initially. John Duran should have had a free kick on the Mm -hmm. left for Villa. And he gave John Duran the free. And then he seemed to change his mind. Because I don't know, did he feel sorry for Leicester? Because VAR were looking at someone in the box. And then he just changed his mind and gave Leicester the free. (laughs) (laughs) And then the free gets blocked by Douglas Louise I think and it comes across to I suppose it's the middle of the goals it's about 30 yards out and it's dinked into about four offside players. (laughs) (laughs) And Watkins has the striker instincts. He has him at the other side of the pitch as well. And he follows up because he knows somebody else is going to follow up. But he, he gets there first because Ollie Watkins follows up better than anybody can follow up in the whole wide world. And he's strong and he's committed. And he gets there before Daka. And then he gets barged by Daka. Daka handballs the ball. He throws it out of play. And then Watkins <laughs> gets a red card, and unless we get a penalty. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible from Watkins after an absolute shit show. I mean, the free kick, never mind the fact that he gave the free kick in the opposite opposite direction, the free kick is so shit as well. Can you imagine if an Aston Villa player did that? Imagine if Douglas Louise did that in the 92nd minute, how fucking apoplectic we would be. It was absolutely terrible. And then the defending from our defenders was atrocious from that terrible dink ball that was played in. and. Even the decision to dink that ball into four offside players, what was he thinking as well? And the fact that it's only Watkins that follows up is incredible. And when the ref gave the penalty, my reaction was, what? I, I, I hadn't a clue what it had been given for. Like, yeah. Luckily, the ref didn't either. I mean, I, I was talking about the shit show in defence there. The only thing that was a bigger shit show was the inside of his head. It was a mess. He hadn't a clue what he was doing.
1: And he looked disappointed. This is an insight into that thing that we hear about referees who are in the VAR suite that that they're often not I don't know if afraid is the right way of putting it but they don't want to tell their colleagues that you've made a mistake and you could see his reaction to being told go have a look at the monitor it's like oh. I know how fucking long he was looking at it as Unbelievable. well we could see crazy. we could see what he was looking at and he was looking at it
0: over and over and over was like, like yeah. looking for anything to be right but the VAR wasn't going to give him a different angle. It was like, there it is. Why are you still at the screen? Because I'm just showing you. Just stop standing there. Go away.
1: <laughs> Thankfully, it was overturned and Villa won the game. But it all started with who else? Ollie Watkins, the man you told me not to captain in my fantasy football team. Oh. <laughs> but it's, it's like, this is brilliant stuff. This is Unai Emery stuff. It's. Every single line you can imagine. It's Kanza to Douglas Luis to Buendia to Watkins. There it is. Our four positions on the pitch, bang, bang, bang. And like it's just it's great stuff. Kanza's couple of lovely passes in that game, drills it into Dougie Louise. He just chips it over the tackle into Buendia's chest. I thought it was a handball, but of course it's not. Buendia knows how to control the ball. <laughs> and he just zips it through to Watkins and it just looks so easy sometimes, doesn't it, when, when that happens, yeah centre-back midfiel- like to centre-midfielder to Buendia who usually sets up a chance and it's, I think it's great touches to start with from Watkins <laughs> he takes, he goes for fast because I think he doesn't care anymore about Suter, once he's in behind him that that's it sorted so I'll go, I'll go for fast, I'll try and take his space and then he overruns it a little but it's, it's a lovely little finish and I can't believe what's happened what's transpired in the rest of this game because what I wrote down and it wasn't really a joke, but I thought it would be funny enough. I said only two people finish like that: <laughs> Ollie Watkins and Bertrand Chauri. You know, two like <laughs> only two people could understand how a ball could move like that. They could do it so cool. They could do something none of us were expecting. We think they got it wrong, but they haven't got it wrong. It's only Watkins and only Bertrand T.
0: Yeah, he's so desperate to get it onto that angle as well that he loves that he nearly, he nearly lost the ball, dragging it across the pitch. Just so he could pull it back across his body into the bottom corner. And in my memory of that goal, there were three players hanging off him. You know, Castagna came in to help out the two centre halves. But then I saw it back after the match, and Harry Maguire is just ambling back. Like, he, <laughs> he, he doesn't he doesn't start running until he sees the ball rolling over the line. And then he immediately stops again, obviously. But, like, I, I say obviously, as if to imply he knows the rules of the sport. He certainly didn't seem to know he was supposed to be stopping walking from scoring. <laughs> Well,
1: well. one thing we know about Harry Maguire that they all tell us is that he's a good ball player. <laughs> he's good on the ball, and that was a great ball over the top from Fass. Is it Fass <laughs> Or Face? I don't know how to pronounce it, but... It's a it's a perfect touch for Bar- from Barnes. It's a bit of an iron goal for us because nothing happens. You know, normally when they score and we're coming on to talk about a podcast, you want to watch it back. Let's, you know. And usually I go back to a minute when somebody gave away a throw-in that they didn't have to give away, but <laughs> but he was just kicked over the top and and Ashley Young's caught out. And he, you know, if the touch wasn't that perfect, if the drive wasn't that brilliant. And the finish wasn't that top class. He might not have been caught out, but yeah, it's, it's very well done from Harvey Barnes. And once he gets in behind our our aging right back, and he definitely Harvey Barnes is definitely the winner tonight of the Would you sign him just in case award? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that, Harvey Barnes. Apart is thirty two league goals for Leicester. That means he's only scored five other goals outside of Aston Villa games. <laughs>
0: It is bloody annoying, isn't it? I mean, it's it's a it's a great ball, great first touch, great second touch, great finish, and mm. I think I think when you're when you're given the confidence to go out and do those things, most Premier League footballers can do it. You know, go for it, kid. I believe in you, and that must have felt so good for a young player like Barnes to hear that from a player as experienced and successful as Ashley Young when he <laughs> when he gave him that little tap of encouragement on the back as he ran past him. It's all yours, kid. Go for it. Ashley Young has to take him out immediately. I, I, I don't mean the smart thing to do. It's the lower risk option. I mean, he has no other option. That's what Ashley Young has to do as soon as that ball gets Before the ball gets played, he has to realise he's isolated here and the ball could get dropped over his shoulder. Bizarre defender from Ashley Young. He should have just taken his ankles straight away. As soon as he took that touch, take his ankles.
1: Well, football is a food chain. And if Ashley Young was getting a run around by the youngsters out there, he still had time to teach a couple of other youngsters a few lessons. And per Dewsbury Hall, I mean, this is great. Ashley Young's not going to be able to stay with Barnes for 90 minutes, but he is going to be able to get Dewsbury Hall out of there long before 90 <laughs> minutes are up and this is the reason he's going up on the Weimann meter, and I don't even mean just drawing two yellow cards, I mean the bloody run from the Villa, from the Leicester corner, Villa defending it in the box, and who is it driving up the other wing, it's Assy Young, give it to me, push it in front of me, and he gets to the ball first, he's way into the Leicester half, counter-attack on his own, Dewsbury Hall's trying to follow him, Young gets turned, he's about to look inside and see who who has come, I assume Watkins has come. And, <laughs> and Dewsbury Hall just trips him, takes the yellow card. They would say a good yellow, but what they don't see sometimes is a stupid yellow followed up like this one. I mean, Ashley Young has just kicked the ball away, knowing that this chump is coming in to clean him. And that's exactly what happened. And Dewsbury Hall is walking off, second yellow, shell-shocked. And, and Ashley Young outstays them all once again.
0: <laughs> He'll bury us all, like, like, <laughs> I Ashley Young is as a fit old man, but he is an old man, and he's just run seventy yards at full speed. What is Dewsbury Hall doing? <laughs> like it, it's it's an absolutely crazy decision to take. Was not a smart yellow card? I I Ashley Young, mean, he's stopped as well. He's turned. He's going around. Like let him try to pick out a pass here now. Like he you, done that for absolutely no reason. I think the second one is probably harsh enough for a yellow card and you'd have to feel sorry for him as well because how could he have possibly expected Ashley Young to get the ball first the way he was defending it's, it's absolutely brain dead stuff though from Dewsbury Hall, he's the type of fellow would put on a push up bra to help him work out <laughs> alright let's leave that there, we've got loads of awards to hand out
1: tonight but first we're going to WhatsApp when we just see what... Big Bertie so, 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 so hard to resist so hard to resist I think I've got three finds to hand out. Douglas Luiz, classic, just rolls it out of play when he was trying to find Moreno. They were all getting a bit tired at that stage. We all probably remember the shot of Unai Emery just saying, calm down. Come on, what are you doing? Just look at where you're passing it. It's around uh, round the iron mark. I'll forgive him because Douglas Luiz is bloody brilliant. <laughs> Leon Bailey cross one straight out for a goal kick. Normally, I don't punish the in-swingers. He did it on the right-hand <laughs> side, left foot. But this was just desperate stuff altogether. the trying to find Buendia, I think. And he's about 40 yards too high for him. It was it was mad stuff. And when you combine that with his right foot cross in the second half, just straight into the keeper's hands. And again, I know we say it has to go out for a goal kick, but this was a right foot cross from about 30 yards out. <laughs> it shouldn't be going into the keeper's hands when nobody else seemed to be in the box. I don't know what was happening there. The only other fine I have. And it's almost a new category now, and one that I know you don't like. <laughs> did Ramsey shoot from eighteen yards or roll it out to Bailey to have a cross blocked? <laughs> you know which one he picked, and you know that's why
0: he's getting fined. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be hard to defend Jacob <laughs> Ramsey today, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's such a strange performance from him coming back, coming off the back of last week as well, or probably three days ago. I guess he forgotten what he did three days ago. And But even three days ago, he didn't have the shot either. He decided to underhit a pass back out to John McGinn for him to have a much more difficult shot and whip yeah. it into the far post. That should have inspired him. Why would you... like? Not only should that have inspired him, he should have realised that John McGinn is on the pitch. So why the fuck is he passing it to Leon Bailey? <laughs> yeah,
1: and Leon Bailey in a worse position than everybody, including yourself. And you know he's going to come on to his left and you know he's going to get blocked down. Like, Yeah, Ramsey's probably the... Anyway, he played really well three days ago, so we can forgive him, and he's going to get the consistency, and it's going to keep happening, but he's probably the winner of the the Ashley Westwood Award tonight. Just get on the ball, man! Like, that that's... You know, there are players who get on the ball, and they give it away, and it's frustrating, but it, like, at least you are getting on the ball. It just... It wasn't in the game enough. I want to see him, even when it's not going well, just get on the ball, pop up in areas, and I know he was shifted to the right tonight, and I don't know, maybe that can have an effect on him. Sometimes I think when he's too far in the number 10 position as well, it's just not the best at picking up, I don't know if it's space or just having a look around to be able to get on the ball, but it just seems to have a low touch count and I don't like it, especially for somebody who can be so good.
0: Yeah, yeah, like the reason you get annoyed is because he's exactly the type of player you want to get on the ball, but he doesn't like these games, he doesn't like trying to, not that he's afraid of tight spaces, he just doesn't know where to go whenever a team is playing such a tight defensive shape that Leicester are playing tonight, he's never in those games.
1: More important thing though, first WhatsApp wins. why does Diego Carlos have to tell Duran to hold men off in the corner (laughs) (laughs) 95 minutes into the game? (laughs) <laughs> if nobody remembers this, Phil will have a corner. Dougie Louise says, come over here, Duran, you're huge. And Duran takes a corner off him and tries to cross it in wins a corner.
0: <laughs> ah, no, 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 no. John Duran, that was perfect from no, John Duran. I was no, surprised. I no. was surprised at Carlos. I, I know Duran is
1: winning a corner, but I was thinking that's a bit pointless because we're just back in the exact same position. We haven't wasted any more time. And Carlos is then signalling to say, hey, come on, put your back out, put your arms out. Ah, uh, we have
0: we have wasted it. Have you fucking? Did you see that referee tonight, Conan? <laughs> he was giving away penalties for players being fouled in their own box. <laughs> he was he was out on that time on. That was fine. It was the right thing to do from John Duran. There was more. There was weirder things than that had happened. The, Ollie Watkins decided to try to skin four players at one stage, and then from the resulting free kick, Douglas Louise has a spank <laughs> straight into the keeper's hands, and he's giving it to John Duran. <laughs>
1: That That's fair, probably a, reprie- a pr- reprieve for John Duran, but I have to say, and maybe I am stupid sometimes, but I like Douglas Louise having a spank. <laughs> the second WhatsApp whinge, that commentator just said the Leicester coach looking remarkably composed <laughs> after it showed 10 seconds of Unai Emery talking to his assistant. And I'm pretty sure that commentator fell into the trap because Paco Ayestarán, Unai Emery's coach, is in the middle of the frame. And, you know, for some people, they don't train their eyes to look at the whole frame. They just look at whatever's been fed to them in the middle of the camera. I don't know why they did it that way. Obviously, they wanted to show Unai Emery, but Unai Emery was talking to Ayestarán, who's just looking stony-faced forward. And it cuts back to the pitch and the commentator (laughs) obviously doesn't know who the interim Leicester coach is. And he didn't know who that was on his screen. And he said, the Leicester coach looking remarkably composed. (laughs) You
0: nearly nearly think he was on the Aston Villa bench, he looks so composed.
1: Yeah. The Leicester coach is looking like me going to the bakery on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Third WhatsApp winch. Did Leon Bailey just take the ball off Ramsey to then run alongside the ball until someone took it
0: off him? I'm really surprised you framed that this way. I'm I'm really surprised you didn't just have a needless little needle at uh, Jacob Ramsey. Did Jacob Ramsey let Leon Bailey take the ball off him?
1: (laughs) It did cross my mind.
0: Yeah, that was that was incredibly frustrating, and it's the the weirdest thing about that is like, yeah, Jacob Ramsey shouldn't be deferring to Leon Bailey there, but also Leon Bailey should at this like not only should Jacob Ramsey not defer to him, Leon Bailey should know at this stage that he's not going to do anything useful himself and just you know, just try to survive out there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Bailey while
1: we're here. I know we can go into the Glenn Whedon Award, but we might as well do it now. what. Why Bailey? Like why? Why is he getting so many chances and for eighty-five minutes as well? Especially when Bertrand Rory's there, you know, because he's playing a different game to everyone else. It's, it's, I'm it's, it's, not even in the endearing Bertie T way that we always say. Oh, Bertie T just did his own thing out there. Like, the rest of the team are doing these little neat interplays, they're rotating positions, they're linking up really well. Bailey's running down the sideline and then trying to run back up the sideline. And, and and he's usually failing at that. And I don't know. I don't know what we're getting
0: out of it, and why he's getting so many minutes. And he's in such a bad, bad run of form as well. I mean, like maybe he's been outside in Emery's apartment as well with his with a zoom lens camera. Maybe he's got <laughs> the same. Same technique he had with Jared. He's got some. He's got some pictures that an Emery doesn't want anyone else to see. It's yeah. baffling. I mean, he he can't shoot. He can't make decisions. He can't pass. He couldn't pass on chlamydia. This lad. He's useless. <laughs> he's. Uh, I I can't I can't understand how a manager is, as forward thinking as an Emery as well can tolerate this because it's stopping so many passages of play like. It's we, it's unbelievable. We've we've fixed we fixed our defenders, being able to pass the ball to our midfielders. Now when they get it, they're giving it to Leon Bailey sometimes. <laughs> so what was the point of fixing those two interim steps to get the ball to this lad to just run blindly? It's it's baffling. And not only do we have Berdi D there who came on and with two touches won the game. What, what is the story with John? Durant? Every time John Duran gets minutes, he looks great. Yeah. it's 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 a strange strange. Situation,
1: yeah. Look, we'll probably come back to it. There's, there's loads more time to get annoyed at Leon Bailey. Hopefully not as much in tonight's podcast. The last WhatsApp when comes from Nick on Twitter, he said, "Note to Austin McPhee, it's okay to take a normal corner once." <laughs> <and all." laughs>
0: the fuck was this about? I just don't understand. I don't understand what goes through his head. He just has these fascinations, these periods in his life where he just can't make decisions. And we're currently in one of those decisions. That game was madness. Like not what was there a corner put in? There was one, the first corner I think, where Douglas Louise does the X man fucking symbol. Oh, and then but
1: yeah, but the one time he probably could have played it deads in the box because everybody was on the Leicester goal line. All the Leicester players, like McGinn was standing at the edge of the box. He said, "Oh, you, do you want to give it to me?
0: Like I'm completely free here." Yeah, 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 you're right as well actually, but everyone else ran in and he didn't bother using it. But they were so convoluted as well. There was one where they played two crossfield balls. Maybe this wasn't a part of the routine, but I think it was. Because the two players played the ball first time, back out, and ended up with John McGinn. He has to roll yeah. back to Conza. I think, at one stage. It was madness
1: yeah there was one on the right yeah it was played short and then it got switched to the left wing and switched back to the right wing for an in swinging cross and i was like i know we're all up for changing the angle and stuff like but actually we've gone back to the same angle and yeah i don't know it seemed like the outcome for a lot of these routines was to have a 20 yard shot i mean i just, just let douglas what shoot should. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we'll leave that there and we'll come back with the award categories. Roy Keane thinks Scott Parker is a dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> In one single moment, your whole life can turn around. I stand there for a minute, staring straight into the ground. Looking
0: Roy Keane thinks everybody's a dweeb. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, his in, frown. Please let me show you where we could only just be for us. I, can I just thought every time he cut back from Parker being interviewed, for some reason he was being interviewed two or three times before the game, an and uh must, he's talking shit obviously and, <laughs> and every time he cut but back, I'm it looked like Roy, Roy Keem is holding in a, a laugh. And, the and the it looked Roy like you know Karger had that little knowing look that he has sometimes, you know, when he knows what somebody's laughing at or whatever.
0: Like, he's a proper football bloke, you know, and he, he tries to pretend that he's intelligent as well, so then pretentious football writers can get behind him. Scott's and Roy Keane, just that's absolute fodder for Roy Keane, you know, he, he, he snuffs that out immediately. He hates bullshit, and you're right, he hates Scott Parker. mind has been made up. Like even at the end of that game, the story isn't fucking Scott Parker. And the cameras all on Scott Parker's face. Aston <laughs> Villa have just climbed into the Champions League places, never to be dislodged. That's the story. It's not fucking Scott Parker getting spanked again.
1: The first nomination for the Ronnie Rossenthal Award. Could Leon Bailey have gotten that Douglas Louise ball before Iverson got it?
0: Uh, ah, yeah. Leon Bailey couldn't catch anything, of <laughs> Just look happy enough
1: to not go for it. And you were thinking, if you, if you had a bit of fearlessness there, like somebody else who could play in that position, <laughs> you could have gotten to that ball and had a little dink over the goalkeeper. I don't know, his angle of his run, just happy to... It almost seemed like it was a baller for him that the ball still hadn't gone to the keeper's hands. <laughs> so it's like, oh, fuck's <laughs> sake. This is still an option for me to try and get this ball. Anyway, the first big chance was Suter off the post. I mean, this, this was annoying because Watkins has gone down after Suter came through him and he's injured him and he's kicked the ball out of play. The Leicester player kicked the ball out of play and Leicester get a corner kick and Villa now have to take their player who's been injured by the lesser player off the pitch for the corner kick. What a weird rule. Like, what a weird rule. Anyway, Ezra Kanzi gets blocked. I don't want to see this. Like, I don't want to see Ezra Kanzi getting blocked. I know it's hard. I I want to see him fucking go through someone when that happens. I know it's in the box. That's what you're going to say. But (laughs) I think he'd get away with it if somebody's checking. You remember, remember Kobe Bryant on his teammate Gasol at the Olympics? he said I know the play Spain are going to do here they're going to try and check me straight away and let it happen because I'm going to fucking go through him and he was good pals we guess all and he absolutely emptied him a few seconds into the game and all the Americans talk about it now they're like oh shit we knew Kobe meant business there that's what I want to see from Ezra Consa.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a fairly normal comparison as well um
1: it <laughs> sounds yeah. like a surefire way to give away a penalty <laughs>
0: It was the most. It was the most Harry Maguire thing from the most Harry Maguire looking footballer I've ever seen. I mean, he, he looks more like Harry Maguire than Harry Maguire. It's insane. <laughs> like he he fell into the ball and knocked it out for a goal kick, but was given a corner. Just like Harry Maguire's career fell off a cliff, but he was given a coronation by Gary Neville, and the, and then he got free at the back post and he knows the ball wide. He knows the yeah. ball coming. Faced it's insane. into. It. Yeah. fucking fro- stuck your face in it son all these memories from his childhood coaching came back to him what the fuck was that about
1: <laughs> there was a nice oh, lovely bit of play down the left moreno and buendia were were at it sometimes and, and they were so prevalent in the game. There was a lot of balls he got away from them as well but sometimes he got through and this one was a nice pass in into ramsey from moreno just got blocked down and then Came out to Dougie, and that shot was going places. Like he kicked that shot, Michael Keane esque, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> and it just got deflected over. And just after that, then Harvey Barnes. You just this is when things are going against you. You've played so well for 35 minutes. The away fans are absolutely cooking. The noise was amazing. The chance for class Villa were like the way they were playing was brilliant. Total control. Got that good goal from Harvey Barnes. It and nothing really. And then he has a shot that deflects. And you're like, oh, for God's sake. Martinez got a great, great leg on it. And not only that, not only did he kick it away, he stood up with a finger to his head. Yeah, just to say, don't worry, lads, I've got this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there was one in on that other little row of chances that Villa had as well from Moreno where it went... Through He went through Suter's legs. It's a really good way to disguise a shot because the ball normally goes missing when it's at Harry Suter's feet. But it, was, it was a shite enough shot for Moreno. And that Barnes shot one, that was so frustrating. It was Jacob Ramsey as well. He doubles up and he tells he tells Young he's got it covered. I mean, he had him as well covered as a fig leaf over Michelangelo's David. I'd be more worried about his fucking arse because he's shitting all over you. It was fucking far too easy for Ramsey to, or for Barnes to step inside and get that shot away. And Martinez does amazingly to adjust his legs to get it away, especially because he must have been fucking surprised by the sight of Tyrone Mings being afraid of the ball. (laughs) Tyrone Mings was trying everything in his fucking power to get away from that. It was mental.
1: (laughs) Moreno had a cross to Watkins. far enough out for his header. It was easily enough saved in the end. And then Moreno... uh, did, Did he even go for the shot himself? I'm not sure. He drilled it off the outside of the post, but this was a brilliant Buendia pass again just Bunda just sees things in 3D doesn't he and he knows he knows I can slip that ball in there but it's not he doesn't look at obstacles in his way he thinks about how can the defender react to this pass and he knows Madison is fast asleep and he just pushes it in for Moreno to go inside and the Watkins pullback it, it probably isn't done it's Maybe a bit tight and there's players in his way, but Bailey's at the far post. Like, he is at like he is at the far post. Ramsey is in there, sort of central. Just bang that across. Like exactly the way he hit it. Just hit it across the goals and see if Ramsey or Bailey or
0: Harry Maguire can get onto it. <laughs> I think I think that's exactly what he's trying to do. I think he looks up, he can't get at the Watkins, and then the next player he sees is Bailey at the back post and he knows to get it past the keeper, he has to absolutely welly it. And I think he just mishits it. I don't think he shouldn't at all. Yeah,
1: Douglas Louise, another elaborate corner, this one was probably the closest we got, came out to Ashley Young for a 20 yard curler that just went over and there was one, ah, Jacob Ramsey probably had a big chance, maybe the winner Ashley Young pushed it into Buendia who's a nice touch to say that it's sitting up for Ramsey and Ramsey just hatches at it over the bar, I thought that was going to be added to the collection of goalkeepers standing perfectly still as so a Jacob Ramsey shot goes into the top corner
0: it's a great ball in from Young. An absolutely terrible touch from Emiliano Buendia, and it falls to Ramsey. And he has to get over that. I mean, it's a tight angle, so he has to absolutely smash it. But he also has to fucking score. It's a really, really good chance.
1: Quote from the commentary team: Bailey's face would suggest it's not too far away. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, really, would it? So, yeah, that was a, a soft shot. It was well wide, no power on it. If it was on target, the keeper's saving that seven times over. He could run around the other side of the ball and save it. Uh, <laughs> there's actually a Leicester fan behind the goals as the ball is travelling, doing the calm down sign, as if to say, don't worry, like that's that's gone well wide. Now, like, <laughs> just, just keep the ball now once we get it back, because we definitely will get it back.
0: <laughs> he was probably doing that before when the ball arrived at Bailey's feet like holding his face afterwards as if he can't believe it I mean either he's trying to trick us into thinking it was close because he's so daft he doesn't realise that there are cameras in the ground or he's or he's trying to trick us into thinking he can do better there because he's so daft he doesn't realise we've all seen him play before
1: <laughs> I think well Suter's obviously the winner but from a Villa point of view Jacob Ramsey
0: ah yeah Jesus definitely
1: the Bertrand Torori that is just filthy award <laughs> Bertrand Terrory obviously nominated for this there was a lovely second nomination Emmy Buendia just that nice little right to left when he's coming down the left wing moves the ball from his right foot to his left foot to go around someone gets it to Watkins, who he flicks it back out to buendia who then gives it to again. who was using his arse quite well again tonight and he he rolls somebody just really nice play from villa i think it broke down when buendia tried to get it to bailey and that's actually not bailey's fault <laughs> <laughs> but just just lovely bit of play
0: well, it might it might actually be Bailey's fault because it might have been given away because Bontia's pass isn't as clean because as he's about to strike it, he realises, what the fuck am I doing giving it to him? <laughs> <laughs> and
1: the reason I definitely wanted to include this category tonight is because I felt bad. I forgot about Watkins against Chelsea. The, like, all the highlights are the... The little three-second clips that you're seeing then is Watkins just sending Enzo and Rhys James for packets of crisps and Mars bars. It's like, just just drags the ball in and flicks it out and goes with the ball himself. And the only thing to take away from that move from Watkins that just did both of those Chelsea players, and there was a third one in there as well that he got away from, it was like, why did he not just shoot? Because the, the move ends, or the clip that you're seeing on social media, ends when he's just passing it to the right. And I'm like... Is that a pass to Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think Bailey was on the pitch. But it should have just shot he, he, he it. It it created space more than anything. But I know that's an hour game ago, but I wanted to talk about it again.
0: What a surprise you wanted to talk about it. I was just about to say your love <laughs> of Ollie Watkins knows no bounds. It doesn't even know the bounds of the games that we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> anyway, the winner is obviously Bertrand
1: Chiori. The Emmy Martinez is Ronaldo not hitting its shit award. <laughs> Only have one nomination, I think, but it's the it's a little fuck off finger wag to James Madison when he tries that free kick in the first half. I mean, what are you doing? Have a better respect for the World Cup, the best goalkeeper in the world. Like this, he just catches it, stands up, says, "No chance mate.
0: Yeah, it was the perfect response to a shit free kick. And isn't it weird how shit I think James Madison is? I mean, that that, that free <laughs> kick. That, that free kick really sums him up for me. Like, you know, all style, no substance. But then I hear he's tearing it up for England. He's probably averaging 10 goals a season. But the reality is, he's in the anti-Dwight Gale team. You know, the, the team of players who are shit every time I see them and must be brilliant mm. whenever I don't. Like he's in. He's in the three behind the centre forward, next to Alan Saint Maximum and Adam Adam, Adam yeah. Like this, this is the player that James Madison is in my head. But all I hear about it is how brilliant he is.
1: Yeah, I probably jumped the gun giving Jacob Ramsey the Ashley Westwood Award because Madison was anonymous tonight, and like the only time I really noticed him was that shit free kick, and then him falling asleep. But the at the right-back position when, when Moreno went right past him. But Madison and Vardy, probably both ahead of Jacob Ramsey, that was, again, that was the most frustrating thing. When you were watching that game then unfold, you are like, none of these players have done anything except Harvey Barnes. Why, why is it 1-1 and why does it sort of feel okay that it's 1-1 as well? Because I don't feel under any real pressure in this match and that was due to the creative hub that is supposed to be James Madison was completely wiped out.
0: Yeah, and to be fair to Alan St. Maxim and Adam Rory, you always fucking notice them when they're on the bench.
1: <laughs> the Peter Enkeman, what the fuck are Tyro Mings, what are you doing in that halfway line? I mean, <laughs> holding on to it until someone takes it off him. Like it, it's always one of these ones, isn't it, where you do well, and then you just keep going. It's like, mm. you're right to drop the shoulder, you're right to push it on a little bit, but sooner or later you have to just pass that ball 10 yards to konza who's standing there waiting for you to pass it to him
0: yeah sooner or later you have to realize that the leicester players are thinking sooner or later he's going to start (laughs) keep running and just keep running into us all like they had trapped him there and he just he just fell into it it was unbelievable mad decision
1: i think the winner though is the actually young header at right back i thought courtney house was back with his 50p head <laughs> Tries to head a ball clear, go straight out of play. That could be an another fine for him, but it so was. Just, I it think didn't it went straight out of play. It went away. straight
0: down the line to Harvey Barnes. Oh yeah, <laughs> he just headed it in the wrong direction. It was it was a, mo- a bigger fifty p head incident than anything that Courtney House has ever ever, <laughs> ever managed to muster. It's the strangest thing I've seen happen on Ashley Young's head since he chowed down on some seagull excrement. It was absolutely <laughs> mental. <laughs>
1: All right, let's talk some tactics. I don't know if this is a Tim Sherwood award or a Glenn Whelan award, but what do you think the thinking was behind Ramsey to start off with on the right hand side this time?
0: Well, see, this is the thing. I think like, we're just going to have to pull in the Glenn Whelan award here. This, this is this ties you into the Bailey decision. I mean, I, I, I don't know why he's picking Bailey. I also, I also don't want to jump straight into questions we can't answer. But what the fuck is Den Donker doing with his life? That's that's. <laughs> That's a serious fucking question the fact that Leon Bailey that Leon Bailey's playing <laughs> Like we 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 lose our defensive midfielder so Leon Bailey has to come in because Leon Ten has retired apparently and <laughs> the the fact that he the fact that he's picking Leon Bailey that really fucks you over then because Ramsey is no longer playing in his best position And Buendia is no longer playing in his best position as well. And they are two fucking players. And John McGinn is no longer playing in his best position either. And losing those three players is certainly not fucking worth it for Leon Bailey. It's madness. And Ramsey was on the right because Buendia has to play on the left if he's not going to play behind the centre-forward. That that was the reason. It was a stupid decision that's all built on the fact that he decided to play Leon Bailey. Does
1: it? deserve some credit. don't know if it does because I think Buendia would get into the game anywhere but he did play well on the left instead of off Watkins.
0: Oh but that's the thing like yeah so Buendia Buendia was fine there but his best position is off Watkins when he's got a freer freer space to roam into and you want to have Buendia and Ramsey both feeling like they can be involved in the game. Ramsey yeah. likes to come on to the pitch he likes to run onto the pitch he can't doesn't feel like he can do it as well from the right. Yeah. One
1: more Glenn Whelan one before and move on to a couple of things I want to talk about that, that stood out in a positive sense, but we we tried too many balls through tonight. Do you think uh, it reminded me of back in the days when we were uh, criticising Dean Smith's team, where it was like, it's all, not that it was, sh- you know, shit or bust, because it never feels like that now under this setup, but just a few times at midfield, they were just ah, forcing the ball, and there were sort of like chest height passes, trying to get them through to Bailey or Watkins as well. I don't know, just a couple of times it was like, relax, calm down.
0: Yeah, I, I think that was a. I still think it was a really tough game to play, but I don't think they delivered particularly, particularly well what we needed. I mean, the the game. I thought the game was really, really frustrating, and it's it's easy to forget about it with all the excitement of, of Bertrand Tori as well. Like do you do you remember the days of McGinn and Doggy Louise as a two man midfield that used to have me howling in pain every week? You know that yeah. was that was five months ago. 5 months ago that was the the worst thing in my life and that tells you two things obviously I'm a loser and they were absolutely awful we like we were not we were not a good team we couldn't we couldn't pick out a snot from our nose never mind pick out a pass from our backline it was <laughs> it was infuriating to watch that was only 5 months ago but the last 5 games we've been so good and I'm so fucking entitled that I wasn't I wasn't expecting this type of performance you know the last the last 5 games would have had Glenn Whelan turning in the grave that I buried him in in my head of how good we were (laughs) and now he's just come fucking back to life during this game like the players the players looked like they they weren't expecting a sense of relief from the Leicester players like they weren't expecting them to be up for a fight for him to press aggressively we looked like we were expecting to come against a team of Jolie and Lescots you know a bunch of lads just waiting for relegation looking forward to the relief of being relegated so they can get back to their the real passion of their lives of tweeting out pictures of luxury cars. So that passing, that chess type pass, it was all technically wrong. It was all technical mistakes from the players. But I think they absolutely had to play those type of passes. And they expect missing the expectation from those Leicester players, the only thing that we were expecting tonight, though, was we were expecting to win. Like, e- even when I was demanding a better performance from the living room, even when I was just, you know, <laughs> writhing in agony at the performance and just the lack of punch, I was still expecting us to win. Like, I was expecting Aston Villa to win a game of football. Who is I Emery, kind him? What is he? He should be fucking tried for witchcraft and burned at the stake. This is insane. An insane piece of mental gymnastics I've managed to perform in my head here that I expect Aston Villa to win football games now. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. I... I... I think
1: it's mad and probably more prevalent at the minute that so many teams are looking for new managers. And there seems to be a lot of names on the managerial market that are out there floating around now looking for jobs. And I'm just like, oh, how, how do we get this guy? <laughs> like how does nobody else picked them up? And it's like, I, I honestly, the baseline has just gotten so high so quickly that they that expectation to win. I like, I expect Walkers to just score every game. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I knew he was going to score against Chelsea, and I knew he was going to score against Leicester, and you know we're away from home. And I looked at both of these games at the start of the week, and not not even fear them, not going off for fuck's sake. <laughs> looking at it going, Jesus, like they're they're tough games, but actually if we come through them the way that we usually do you perform? <laughs> <then they're laughs> going to feel really good on Wednesday morning. And I here I am starting this podcast saying, bring on work, bring it on. <laughs> like, it, it's mad. And the, I think one clear, tangible example of all this is how quickly the, the passing around the back has just become so effective. Like we, people freaked out very quickly at that. And that just seems to have quiet down completely because they're all so, they're also good at doing it now. They're also effective at doing it, and teams back off or they just get out so easily, and they get the space, and they know what they're doing, and in all these positions, and like everybody's learning so quickly, and the players do deserve credit as well. And but they're probably like it's probably great for them having been kicked for so long, and we're just saying there how shit McGinn and Douglas Louise double pivot used to be, and it's like it must be such relief for them to have. The setup and the form that they're all playing in, and knowing what to do in every position, it's it's honestly I've never, I like I can say it I've never seen a coaching job as clearly done this quickly, and I mean in any football that I watch from from what Villa were under Gerrard to what they are right now, it's it's madness. They're in the top seven, <laughs> they're in the top seven, and it's 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 five wins out of six now. And I could talk about any aspect of the coaching through defence, through Emmy Martin as his passing to midfield, to what's going on with Ollie Watkins. It's it's madness. And you look at how thin the squad is as well. There's just, there's not that many options. We're complaining there about Bailey. And you're, <laughs> you're like, at least there isn't. Like, John Duran, you're right, and I keep saying, you let's play him a bit more, but... That's it, really? There's injuries outside of anybody else who would would be considered. It's, It's madness. He just said after the January transfer window, great, I've got these players, I'll work with them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and look what's happened look what's happened we had a three game run there that was like we lost to Arsenal and Man City and we lost to Leicester the anomaly of four mistakes and he was so pissed off so pissed off that he's come back now and we've been undefeated in six we've won five of them we've conceded two goals one was a penalty that shouldn't have been a penalty and one was a bit of magic from Harvey Barnes he always scores against Aston Villa
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really incredible And and the best thing about it is The way he started making us win is by making us play fucking football as well. I cannot believe it. Literally having our cake and eating it too. It's absolutely incredible.
1: Unbelievable. Yeah. I think the winner of the Tim Sherwood, we play two number tens and bamboozled them award, which, you know, that name's not aging very well now (laughs) considering Sherwood has admitted to being bamboozled by science. Um, it's Bertrand Trori, right? It, like, just the way he's rejuvenated his career and his use as an Aston Villa player. Like, th- there's another really clear example of somebody working with what he has. I like, can't get a player I want in January. Okay, can we bring him back from Turkey? Like, th- that will be better than having nobody. It makes so much sense. And it actually doesn't happen enough in football. People just tie themselves to these rules. Like, ah, we sent them out for the season and we might sell him in the summer. It's like, no, bring him back. He he's better. I'll use him, and if he doesn't do that, we don't win this game tonight. He's third. He's yeah. third match, and he looks good. Bertrand Troy looks good.
0: Yeah, yeah. And particularly, you know, Emery probably just fought Stephen Gerrard. Got rid of him. I'm sure he must be fucking class. <laughs> get him back. <laughs> and like bringing bringing Troy back from loan is a clear winner. I'd say this like bringing him on for Leon Bailey was the most obvious choice you'll ever have to make. It's as obvious as. It's well, it was a sack Steven Gerrard, really, wasn't it, at the time? I mean, and the, the thing is that Eni Emery would have trusted himself as well. Like, he he almost certainly knows Bertrand Troy as a footballer, so he knows how absolutely disgustingly talented he is, and he knows that that's not something he's ever going to have to worry about. All he has to worry about is his actual performances. So get him back and try to fucking inspire him. Let's see what he's like with a manager. Yeah.
1: Let's do the Vyman meter. going up not age well, speaking of not and well, referee Graham Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Low bar, to off with. I had it for him giving a yellow card to Castagna for crying and looking for somebody else to get a yellow card. It's, it's always nice when that happens.
0: Yeah, it is great and he flashed it off straight away as well. It was brilliant. And he let everybody know as well so there was absolutely, you know, no, let everyone in the crowd know why he did it as well and it quietened everyone down.
1: Yeah. Going down, referee Graham Scott and that would you. <laughs> <laughs> Going up, John McGinn. I think he was really good again tonight. uh, And he was cutting out a lot of ball, keeping the momentum going. He was just solid and good on the ball and I know like last week or Saturday, we didn't want to encourage him shooting from 40 yards. And I don't want to encourage him too much doing this either. But the use of his arse was really good tonight. (laughs) Like it really was. He used it at the right time. He was turning out really well. McGinn is turning on the ball all the time. He's facing the right way all the time. And he's not needlessly using his arse. Every time he uses his arse, it's worth it and act like he played really well. We talked about how bad Madison was, and I think McGinn was a big part of that as well.
0: Yeah, McGinn was very good, but I, I couldn't enjoy his arse. I couldn't enjoy his arse tonight. It was just <laughs> too many bad memories, and especially against a team like Leicester, who I thought pressed pretty effectively as well. Like, you know, they sat really deep, but whenever they felt like the press was on, they were quite good at it, and John McGinn probably needed to use his arse in those situations but there was a couple of times like oh did you get away with that or is that ex- exactly what you expected to happen and just given the past yeah i just couldn't i couldn't enjoy it
1: going up Ezra Kanza, he flirted with a little what the fuck moment of his own at the very start with uh jamie vardy and it was like come on move faster what are you doing maybe <laughs> a bit casual coming out i think it gave away a corner but uh, he was good he was on top of Vardy every time any ball came into him he was good on Daka when he came on again I, I'm talking about McGinn holding the momentum at that halfway line when Leicester were trying to get out I think Konza was really up their arses and forcing them back and nipping in for ball and he was ah, he was just banging some nice passes through the lines as well
0: Yeah I thought Izzy Konza was, uh, was fine I, I wouldn't necessarily be driving him up the Feynman meter but I'll allow it <laughs> Thanks very much
1: going up Douglas Ruiz, obviously, if he can go up any further. I think Ollie Watkins has to go up. We probably haven't even mentioned him enough on the Weiman meter, have we? It's just incredible. Like He starts scoring goals and we take him off the Weiman meter.
0: <laughs> A man who was at risk of having the Weiman meter named after him as yeah. well because he, he was playing very much like Andy Viman, all yeah. heart and no end product. But Jesus yeah. Christ, as he turned that around. And yeah, he's probably not getting talked about enough on the Weiman meter, but he's getting talked enough about him we're talking enough about him at the top of this show because we're talking about him every fucking week because yeah, yeah. he scores every time he puts on an Aston Villa jersey
1: Would you put Bertrand Torrory up? What? <laughs> 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 of course that's how you do two touches that's how you do two touch football you take two touches in five minutes and you win the game away to Leicester what? What, what a hero I, like, I know we've touched on him now loads of times but he has to this could be one of the greatest rises in terms of Weimann metre. Like, I think I put him up after he appeared for the first time as well a few weeks ago, but this is just coming from what he's come from and went through it all at the top of the show to this. It's, it's a really special night for him.
0: It is a special night, yeah, and it, it's I'm delighted he seems so happy about it as well. I don't know why he, I just wasn't expecting Bertrand Troy to have emotions because he never seems like he cares about what happens with the football when he's on the pitch, but to see him peel away and celebrate like that was, was heartening anybody else you
1: particularly want to go up or down
0: Appadie was pretty good as well and I think Emmy Martinez that save of his feet was was absolutely incredible so you nearly nearly put him just up for that but other than that maybe John Duran let's keep his let's keep his heart up let's keep his head up He's, (laughs) he's out there he's toiling away and he's just not getting as many chances I'm sure he'd fucking love to have yeah
1: okay questions we can't answer but probably will it's always a little bit insulting, isn't it, when teams sack the manager after you beat them? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? What were you expecting? Or what's what's so damning about this that you couldn't swallow a you and I Emery defeat like everybody else is having this swallow? <laughs> <laughs> but Chelsea gotten rid of Graham Potter, and my God, they they got him out the window. I have to say, like. Chelsea is a basket case club, etc., etc. but it really hadn't been doing well, and I don't mean results. The performances weren't great, and the team selections were a bit bonkers, really. They were The way the chains, the, the way the formation changed, the way the players were shifting positions, the amount of people he was using. I know he had a big squad. I think had a big piece on him. They're talking about him having 40 players, 40 first-team players, but part of that, was because he didn't just take action then when he when he acquired this whole new squad in January. He didn't send people off to train with under twenty threes. Wouldn't be in his nature as a coach from the Athletic. Like it's, I don't know. It's um it was a it was a pretty bad job from him. I think he was a walking dead man really. And some of this piece is gold if you do get a chance to go through it and, and look at it. Do you want to know how nerdy some of the Chelsea players are? Some refer to him as Harry or Hogwarts behind his back. Mm. You know, because his his surname's Potter. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Eyebrows were raised at the head coach's plagues to say, we're going to try and win the fucking Champions League. Because they knew then that he was trying too hard. Because they knew (laughs) that wasn't in his nature. They wanted him to be a bit more like that, but when he did do it, they didn't like it. Um, Mm. And yeah, it's a whole... I wouldn't say it's a hit piece on him. They're being a bit kind to him as well about how how tough the job was. But yeah, like the, the players didn't seem to be revolting against him, but they certainly didn't think he was the man for the job.
0: Yeah, Graham Potter is a really interesting character in the minds of pundits and your pals in the media. Mm. In reality, though, yeah, like you know, like just to, just to be clear about his career, he was at he was at Austersons for. Eight years and got promoted three times. Like I'm, I'm not saying any old bum could have done that, but you know, old bum Roy Hodgson had a very successful stint in Swedish football as well. Like you, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to be a genius to succeed in Sweden. Sure, so perennially derided Stephen Kenny, not perennial Swedish champions, Gothenburg or the UEFA Cup qualifiers <laughs> in 2006 with Derry City. And Gothenburg won. They won the title the following year, and that was only. A few years before, Graham Potter landed. You know, that's where that league is at. So anyway, naturally, Swansea snapped him up after that. And he, and he finished his 10th with a club that had just dropped down from the Premier League. I mean, the most remarkable thing about their season was that at the end of it, successful Norwegian league manager Ola Gunnar Sorsar gave them 15 million for Daniel James. <laughs> so anyway, naturally enough, Brighton snapped him up after that, where he where he avoided relegation for two years and then finished second in the mid-table league. And then he was replaced replaced by the Zerbe, who looks like he's going to finish higher than him without Basuma, Kukurea, Mupai, Trossard, and Jason Malumby. So anyway, after that, <laughs> naturally enough, Chelsea snapped him up. Like, you know, the, the bastion of calmness and clarity and the football sage, Todd Bawley, has seen enough. He wants him in and he wants him in now. And then Potter leaves with the second worst managerial record in Chelsea's history. <laughs> Graham Potter's win ratio is 32.5% across his two Premier League clubs. Wow. Do, do you know who else? Do you know who else worked their way up from having success in a lower league and then when they finally got their chance at a Premier League club ended up with a win ratio of 32.5%? Ooh. Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> but, but the funny thing is, Stephen Gerrard had less games. And, as, and as, as Tim Sherwood would tell you, get out onto the training pitch, eventually you'll start winning. You know, if you if you give a manager long enough, eventually they'll start winning. So you Gerrard know, Stephen Gerrard's probably actually a better manager in Grand Park. But of course, if you give a manager too long and you're, you know, listening to them for too long, if you're too long listening to someone like Brendan Rogers, you'll start losing. And I and I don't mean losing football matches, I mean losing the will to live. Like you, <laughs> honestly, any club out there, any club out there thinking about calling on Rogers, you better have a fucking name in mind for three years time. It has to be part of your plan. You can't just hire Brendan Rogers and think that's you sorted. You know, he has a fucking He has a shelf life, you know. That bullshit has a shelf shelf life. You, you know, it eventually just starts to rot. Nobody's nobody's buying a a three year old box of cornflakes, Conan. And they're and they're certainly not buying three year old bullshit fed to them by Brendan Rogers either. <laughs>
1: you well, know, Brendan Rogers, speaking of David Brent, uh, <laughs> the athletic understands one source suggested to The Athletic that Potter had asked a member of the team, a player what do the players think of me? <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously didn't go down well I mean how, how did you think that was going to go down? He's going to go and tell the very next <laughs> player that, <he> meets. <laughs> that All I thought of was that moment in the office where David Brent calls Don in and says do you think I'm funny? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> just tell me just tell me what do you think?
0: Yeah. Um, Do you think I can win the Champions League?
1: <laughs> well, it looks like Brighton could bloody get into this Champions League, the way it's going at the minute. And speaking of Roberto De Zerbi, I was half had a mind to think, could Villa take over Brighton? But it's like, geez, they keep going. They keep they keep winning. And they're not far off the likes of United and the likes of Tottenham Hotspur. And neither are Aston Villa now, who are into the top seven. I mean, it's incredible stuff. 44 points. Brighton are on 46. They've got two games in hand over Villa. They're four points behind United. That's Brighton. And they're four points behind tottenham Hotspur with two games in hand over Tottenham as well. It's, it's it's crazy stuff what's happening there. But it's also crazy stuff what's happening at Aston Villa who started this season with a losty Burnmouth. Started this season with Stephen Gerrard and all the complaining we did and all the, all the tough, hard nights. The Four in matches remember how shit they all were (laughs) we weren't even getting results but do you know what Bertrand Russell says (laughs) he says the time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time I bloody love this game see you next time Well, what do you say about the people here now saying it's time to go on a diet?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it worth it? It might sate my appetite for a while, but I'm only looking worse. My skin's breaking out in spots. My waistline's getting a bit out of control, and overall, it's not the best thing for me. So hard to resist. So hard to resist.
1: It's very enjoyable eating the burger.
0: My god, god, is he delicious? My god, too so hard to resist. Lovely big sloppy bacon cheeseburger. Bertrand Chirori?
1: Bertrand Turori. So hard to A moment on the lips, forever on the hips. <laughs>